Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is December 4th, and our reading comes from 1 John chapter. Beginning in verse 1, John says this, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So the first thing he talks about is testing prophets. Now, when we read this, our tendency is to think that the test is dependent on some mystical feeling. But what John says in this passage is the test is, do you understand who Jesus is? That he is the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, God in the flesh. And if a person understands that Jesus is not a prophet, not just a teacher, not an angel, not a a heavenly visitor. He is the God-man. He is God in the flesh. So remember, John describes all of this in his gospel in John chapter 1, when he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is making sure we understand Jesus is eternal God, who came into our world and took on human flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what John says, it's our understanding of the identity of Jesus that qualifies or disqualifies a person as a prophet, someone who has the ability to speak on God's behalf. I love that. And then he says, you remember at the end, that there is the spirit of the Antichrist. The Antichrist simply denies the identity of Jesus. Why? Because remember, the Antichrist, ultimately, the world Antichrist is going to claim to be God, right? So that's why it is the Antichrist spirit, is because who Jesus is, the Antichrist is going to try to claim that identity for himself. And so what John is saying in chapter 4 is, a true prophet from God recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the God-man. Jesus is 100% God, 100% man, whereas the Antichrist is going to claim that for himself. And so an Antichrist spirit is simply anybody who denies the divinity or the identity of Jesus. Now let's move on to verse 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. I love this. The spirit of God has come to, when we place our faith and trust in Christ, the spirit of God has come to live inside of each of us. And God, his spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives in us is greater, is more powerful 
is the truth. It's greater than any spirit in the world. Verse 5, those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. So again, John's writing as an apostle, an eyewitness to the life and ministry of Jesus and to the resurrection of Christ, and he is preaching the truth that we might believe Jesus is who he claimed to be and find life, eternal life, through faith in his name, right? And so he ends this little section by saying that, that those who are the children of God have embraced our message, the gospel message, and those who are not have rejected it, and they've embraced the world's wisdom. What is that? Well, the world's wisdom basically is what every other religion teaches, and that is that we are working our way into a relationship with God, or that there is no God, that we are the captain of our own ship and our destiny and our future, and we live this very independent, secular humanism, right? So John is saying, no, those who are the children of God have embraced the truth, and they have the Spirit of God living in them. Let's move on. Verse seven, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So John says we've got a responsibility to love one another. Now, let's define love. This is so important. For most people, when they say, I love you, what they mean is I have good, happy feelings towards you because you are doing what I like in this moment. So most of the time when people say, I love whoever it is, what they really mean is, I like you in this moment because you're behaving in a way that I like, feels good to me, that I agree with, that benefits me. Well, John here says, no, that's not love at all. Love is demonstrated by sacrificial service. And so John says, Jesus showed us what real love is. So when we think about a love for God and a love for people, often when people say, I love God, what they mean is, I love that God, I feel good about what God is doing for me. And I think John would argue that's, that's not love. Love is when we, motivated by our love for God, it's when we are willing to sacrifice for God or other people. So the way I love God is I take up my cross and follow him. And the way that I love 
people, the way I love Tina or my kids or a friend, is that I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to be inconvenienced. I'm willing to suffer in order to do what is good and best, what blesses you. That's what love is. And so John describes all of that, that Jesus showed us what real love was. He sacrificed. He died for our benefit. He who was rich became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. And that's what love looks like. Now watch this. I love this. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other that way. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives on us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Oh my goodness. Listen to this idea. Jesus came. This is what Christmas is about. Jesus came to show us what was true about God and to unite us to him. So there are all kinds of things, and we don't have time to go through the list today, but there are all kinds of things that really we would misunderstand about God if Jesus hadn't come. But when Jesus came, when all of a sudden we see God in the flesh, what was true about God was confirmed as we look at the life and ministry of Jesus. Here's what John is saying in that last verse. In the very same way, as God produces his life and character in us, as we're becoming like Jesus, our mission is to be with Jesus, So we become like Jesus and begin doing what Jesus did. And when we are with him, becoming like him and doing what Jesus did, we become an incarnation of Jesus. People begin to see God when they look at us. So that just like Jesus, we can say, if you looked at me, you've seen the Father. And what John is saying here is so many people The only way they can see God or the first way they see God is in relationship with me and you. When they see our willingness to humble ourselves, to serve, to even sacrifice for their benefit, in that moment, their eyes are open and they see God incarnated in us. We're modeling, we're showing the world what it looks like to be loved by God. Now, let me skip down to verse 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not been, we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. So when our life is driven by fear of punishment or condemnation, It means we've not been perfected in his love. We've not matured in his love. We've not been settled. Our fear has not been dispelled by his love. When you understand how much God loves you and all that he's done for you, then your fear of judgment and condemnation goes away. We are settled and sanctified by his love, which gives us a capacity to love other people. We only love others because God first loved us. This is why Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's first. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And you can't get those out of order. If we don't love God and we don't experience his love, if we're not settled in his love, if we don't learn to rest in his love, 
then we don't have the capacity to sacrifice, to serve, to humble ourselves in order to love people around us. So verse 20, he closes with this. I love God. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? And he's given us this commandment. Those who love God must love their fellow believers. And so I think love is the test. Our ability to humble ourselves, to serve, even to sacrifice, to take up our cross in order to be a blessing to people around us. That is what love is. And it's a great, a great picture and a powerful witness in our world. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this passage. It's such encouraging teaching. Man, I just love John. And I pray that you would, for all of us, you'd increase our capacity to love, not to just have warm feelings towards those who do good to us, but to be willing to take up our cross, to sacrifice, and to serve, to show your love to our world, that that love, man, would transform and heal their hearts, that we would represent you well in our world. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me today. I hope that encourages you. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.